0: Even now, Lord Jesus, even now, even now, for I ask this in your name. Amen. God be praised. Thank you, Dr. Aiken. I am his David, he is my Jonathan, and I love him with all of my heart. It's been a wonderful journey. I cannot think of the quality of life without recognizing that you have made a major, major factor in my life in that regard. Thank you for having me. It's been, it's been fun representing Christ here. The 12th chapter of Acts I'm going to read verses 1 through 17 and then verse 24. I want to talk about the Christian as a theomusicologist, the Christian as a theomusicologist. Hear these words from the Word, Acts 12 verses 1 through 17 and also verse 24. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, a brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intending to bring him And the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around me, you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the alley entrance and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. "'Tell James and the brothers about this,' he said. And then he left for another place. In the morning there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed.'" Verse 24. But, the Word of God continued to increase and spread. Yaroslav Pelikan, that renowned and celebrated church historian, has said that what the Church of Jesus Christ believes, teaches, and confesses on the basis of the Word of God this is Christian doctrine. What the Church of Jesus Christ believes, teaches, and confesses on the basis of the Word of God, this is Christian doctrine. The Church Fathers confessed their beliefs. Generations following them are believing their confessions. And now here we are confessing their confessions. In other words, we're getting further and further away from what they really believe so that we are just merely parroting what they said. We know what they believe but we don't know why we believe it so that there is not a transference of what they believe to us so that we can articulate that. I think today in singing, that's why I commend uh, the musicologists and people here who do music, I think we are singing more heresies than the church articulated in the first five centuries. Singing heresies, it's really hard to get up and preach in some places when the singing has been so anthropocentric, human centered uh, and so many heresies have been sung that you have to get up and before you can preach to the people you have to give them an exegetical exlax to clean them out so that you can now preach the Word of God and have room for truth to be there. I want to posit this morning that when worship takes place in the Spirit of Christ, we overcome tribulation, participate in celebration for the glory of God. When worship really takes place in the Spirit of Christ, we overcome tribulation, participate in celebration to the glory of God. There is an artist named Wolfgang Mozart. Jürgen Moltmann, a German theologian, said I can barely stand to listen to the music of Wolfgang Mozart for more than an hour because there is no tension, there's no conflict in his music. He preferred the music of Ludwig von Beethoven because it was filled with dissonance. And conflict and tension. In this chapter there is tension, there is conflict, and there is dissonance. The musical rendition that signals in the Army or in Armed Forces signals the end of the day is that of taps. It also signals the end of life, taps. 24 notes, four tones, three breaths, and one minute it's played in. Taps, the end of the day to come to the barracks and the end of life at the graveyard when Taps is played by trumpet or by bugle. But the musical rendition that signals the beginning of the day in the armed forces is the rendition, Reveille. It's time to get up, it's time to get up, it's time to get up in the morning. It signals the beginning of the day. It's played with 24 notes, four tones, three breaths in one minute. Mm. One signals morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. The other signals morning, M-O-R-N-I-N-G. They are pronounced exactly alike, but the spelling is different. M O U R I N G and M O R N I N G, and the only difference between morning and morning is you. And what God wants to do is to take the U out to move you. You don't deny the morning, but He can take and remove it so that you can have morning even when you're mourning, <laughs> and you can sing reveille even when you're going through a tap's existence. This was revealed to me so wonderfully uh, at the funeral of Winston Churchill, uh, January 29th, 1965, because you have the reality of chords. A chord consists of three notes, uh, the beginning note, the middle note, and the end note. And when there's equal distance between uh, the end-note and the beginning note and the end-note with the middle note, you have a major chord. You have happiness, harmony and hope. But when there is not equal distance of the beginning note and the end-note with the middle note, even if it's just half a step, you have the minor chord: gloom, doom and despair. When Churchill had his funeral, he wrote it out. The songs he wanted to be sung, the eulogies uh, he wanted to be delivered uh, by the persons he had put on the program, scriptures that he wanted to be read. In fact, if you want your funeral to be a certain way, you, you better write it before you die and make sure you do that. That's the way uh, you can ensure that it will go the way it's supposed to go. And if it doesn't, then you talk to that person in heaven, that is, if they get there. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> At the end of the service up in the vaulted dome someone played taps the end of the day but on the other side that vaulted dome someone played Reveille. it's time to get up in the morning as if to say death is not the end resurrection is coming i will rise again come on up here grace help me to preach this would you there are Scriptural selections as well as uh, liturgical selections that demonstrate and teach for us taps and reveille. Scripture-wise, there are minor chords and major chords in the same verses. Like Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. You meant it on me for evil, minor chord. But God meant it me for good, to save many people alive. Psalm 30 verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night, minor chord, but joy comes in the morning, major chord. Psalm 34, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, minor chord, but the Lord delivers them from them all, major chord. John 16, in this world you will have tribulation, minor chord, but be of good cheer, I have already overcome the world, major chord. And Romans 6.23, thank God for this. I'm glad for the major chord here. The wages of sin is death. minor chord. Thank you for not putting a period there. But the gift of God is eternal life. There are songs that integrate major and minor chords, and there are songs that only have the, ma- the minor chord in it. For instance, uh, Frederick Chapon's The Funeral Dirge, all minor chord, gloom, doom, and despair gloom doom despair do you know that sound in your life? there are also songs in which the major chord is featured by itself. When the saints go marching in, Grayson, play it, son. And there are songs that integrate major and minor chord within that one song, Amazing Grace. Minor chord, I once was lost, minor chord. But now I'm found, major chord. once was blind, minor chord, but major chord, now I see. Let's thank God for Brother Jason. Thank you Brother Jason. (laughs) This chapter, let me hurry now, this chapter starts off on a minor chord note. The Bible says that King Herod Agrippa I had arrested some of the disciples and had killed James with a sword. That's minor. And then arrested Peter intending to have him killed after the Passover was over. That's a minor chord for the church, doom, gloom, and despair. The Bible says that James has been beheaded. This is James, the brother of John. Remember those two? Ask Jesus for the preferential treat seats. Can we sit on the left hand and on the right of you? Jesus says, uh, are you able to drink the cup that I'm gonna drink? You're able to be baptized with the baptism I'm gonna be baptized with. Yes, he is going to drink the cup and he does in that and he's gonna be baptized. And be careful for what you ask for. It really did happen with James. He is killed, and the Bible says that disciples are arrested and Peter is put on death row. Two-thirds of the inner circle. Peter, James, and John, they went to the Mount of Transfiguration when the other nine didn't go. They were in the home of Jairus who was the ruler of the synagogue when the other nine were not there. And they were in the innermost recesses of the Garden of Gethsemane when the other nine were not there. Two-thirds of the inner circle is just about gone. And what's the church gonna do? Tell you what the church is gonna do. The church is going to verse 24 major chord increase and grow in spite of what has happened I've got to always remember that God has not built his church on Robert Smith and on Danny Aiken and on anyone else the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ the Lord persecution blesses the church in the second century Church, church father was right when he says the blood of the martyrs is the seed the seed the seed of the church and now Peter is put on death row and Herod seeing that this displeased the Jews and increased his popularity writings he just intends to have Peter executed once the Jewish feast of the Passover is over the church does something that's extraordinary they do not hire a lawyer uh, they do not hire a Baal's bondsman to get Peter out. They do not concoct a, a jailbreak. They pray. They pray. They know that if God can open up the Red Sea and the Jordan River and bring water out of a rock that doesn't have any plumbing system, God can deliver Peter. They pray. I've got to say it to you, because I got to say it to myself, as Carolyn Custis James has said to us in her book, When life and belief collide, when faith is stripped to the bone and all our props and crutches are gone, our knowledge of God that he is good and is still on the throne is the only thing that will keep you going. When faith is stripped to the bone, you don't have anything left but faith. Mm, the bone no marrow no fat no tendon no ligaments no muscle all you have is faith and all your props and crutches are gone your health breaks down your relationships break down you lose your job your knowledge of God That he is good and is still on the throne is the only thing that will keep you going. You will never really know that his grace is sufficient until everything else you have you recognize is insufficient. And you never know that Jesus is enough until all you have left is Jesus. Titles can't get you everywhere, but the Lord will sustain you in the midst. They prayed that God would deliver Peter. The Bible says that the Lord dispatched an angel who came to the jailhouse, probably after hours, after visitation hours were over, didn't have to sign anything, and he got in there without being noticed. An angel, I struggle with this, I wondered where was James's angel? James was an apostle just like Peter, Peter had a wife, probably James had one. Where was James's angel? Was it that all the angels had already been dispensed and doing other things and there were no angelic messages available for James? How would James's wife, if he was married, feel sitting next to Mrs. Peter because Mrs. Peter still has her husband? Because God delivered him. Is it because God loved Peter because he would be the speaker of the house more than he loved James? I struggled with uh, the same thing in my own life, October the 30th. 2010 when four young men came into Richie's restaurant where my son was working and went to rob the store and of course jammed the register and jammed the, car, the um, safe, didn't get any money, three of them left out of frustration one out of frustration stood on top of the counter and fired one shot in Tony's heart and at 34 years of age he made the transition. 20 years earlier than that I had been working at a grocery store, actually about 30, about 30 years, yeah it was, 30 years later, I'd been working at a King Quick grocery store. At the same time, on a Saturday night, and a man came into the store and put a gun right in my face and threatened to kill me. I turned my back, he said, go in the back room. He didn't kill me. Why is it that I was spared but Tony wasn't? I would have given my life that Tony would have lived. It's because I was a preacher and I was going to be the Charles T. Carter. Baptist chapter, Is that why? No, I'll never know. All I know is whether we live, we're Christ. Whether we die, we're Christ. Whether we live or die, we're still Christ. Therefore, the mystery must not be something that we try to demystify. Don't try to demystify the mystery. Don't try to unscrew the inscrutability. Don't try to figure out the unfigurability. That's not in the dictionary anyway. Just know that God works in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. And William Cooper says in his last lyric, God is his own interpreter and he will make it plain. So I praise God and wait upon the day when Tony and I will be gathered again. Here comes the angel and he says to Peter, wait up, Peter is sleeping between two soldiers chained on either side, there are two soldiers in front of him, four quaternions, four squads of soldiers to keep him because he has been serving a Lord who did some funny things. <clears throat> Wake up, sleep. Peter says, look, I'm going to sleep. I slept at the wrong time before. I was in the garden of Gethsemane and the Lord told me, you watch while I pray. And every time he came back the third time, I'm still asleep. I slept at the wrong time. Now I'm going to sleep at the right time. In fact, the reason I'm sleeping now is this. I read Psalm 121 verses 8 and 9. He giveth the, his beloved sleep and that God who keeps Israel has never slumbered nor slept. In fact, God has never batted his eye since the day of creation and since His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. There is no sense of both of us staying away. I'm going to sleep. (laughs) And because I'm going to sleep, I'm going to wake up either with him or down here where I continue my work. He slept. Too many things we worry about and worry is the interest paid on trouble before it falls due. And sometimes it never falls due and we become like those women who are on their way to the tomb on resurrection Sunday morning and they're asking who's gonna roll back the stone for us but when they get there the stone has already been rolled away wake up and he knocked the chains off of them they fell off the men didn't even know it because they weren't connected with the divine source you know you can be sitting next to people in church And you get the word and they don't get it. You feel the spirit and they don't feel it. You sit right next to them because the spirit doesn't work work by role. The spirit works by relationship. So when you bring him into the church since he's in you, there's a special connection that you have because you never lose it. You walk with him. You walk, talk with him, and you tell him that he is your own. His chains fell off. And then he said now you can't um, knock the chains off I have to do that but you can put your clothes on uh, you can wrap your garment around you and you can put on your shoes it's known as divine humanist mentality God does what only God can do and we have to do what we can do you want the walls to fall down march around them one time for six days and seven times on the seventh day and they're still not gonna fall then I want you to shout And when you shout, without a crane or bulldozer, i bring them down. You say you want wine? Fill up the water pots. When they filled up the water pots and Jesus looked into the water pots, the water looked back at Jesus and said, our Creator is looking at us and blushed in the wine. You want Lazarus to come from the tomb? Roll back the stone, and I'll say, loose him and let him go. And you are waiting for him to do it all. And he's saying to you, do what you can do as an act of faith and I'll act to do what you cannot do so you will know that I am the one who receives the glory. He got up and followed the angel. And the Bible says they came to the iron gate and the gate opened of his own. Now we think we're doing something because we've got these uh, gates, these doors uh, that have some kind of magnetic eye and you come to them and they just open. But that happened 2000 years ago. Without battery, without electricity, just got there and the door opened of his own. And then the angel led him one street down and disappeared. I listened to Charles Wesley, because great hymns are born out of the womb of the text. And can it be? Long by imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound by sin in nature's night. That I diffused a crimson ray. I walked the dungeon, flamed with light. Listen, this is what, what he's writing on. The chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? And Wesley is writing this hymn, I'm sure, in conversation with Acts chapter 12. He comes to Mary's House where the prayer meeting is going on, and he's knocking on the door. And they're praying for his deliverance. Rhoda comes to the door, and she she hears his voice. She knows his voice. And uh, she says, ah! She's astonished. She's been praying for him. She goes back to tell the prayer meeting group, and they say, "Uh, no, you're out of your mind. It's not logical. For a person to be chained between two people with uh, soldiers in front of the gate and soldiers distributed throughout the prison and now that individual is knocking on the door, it doesn't make sense. And God doesn't make sense. God is not logical. God is supra logical. God defies logic. I don't understand it that in uh, Genesis chapter 1, God says, let there be light and there was light and light came running at 160,000 miles per second. And God made on the very first day, the sun. And on the fourth day, or rather he spoke light and light came, but on the fourth day he made the sun. How do you have light on the first day, but you don't have the sun until the fourth day? I thought the sun produced light. I thought the light came from the sun. But one of these days, Revelation 22 reminds us, there be no sun there, but he will be the light of the city. That the light really doesn't come from the sun. Light comes from the sun. The S-O-N that gives the S-U-N light, that takes it to the moon, that reflects light. So much so that don't try to figure God out. God is found in the midst of the mist of mystery. Trust him and walk with him by faith. The text says Peter kept on knocking because there's some doors you'll never get through until you keep on doing this. Don't try to pry open the door. If it doesn't open, pray open the door. Stop kicking it, stop trying to push it because if you keep on prying open the door by God's permissive will, he may allow it to open and you'll get what you want, but you won't want what you get and it's hard to unget what you got and you find yourself stuck with something that was not in God's will keep on knocking. In fact, that's the Greek sense of, the tense of Matthew 7 and 7. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And Peter kept on knocking. They said, well, if you're not out of your mind, it must be his angel. And Peter kept on knocking. It was easier for Peter to get out of jail than to get into a prayer meeting. And here are people (laughs) who are praying. And I wonder about us. We pray, but do we really believe that God is able? Uh, You've got a terminal disease. Uh, You have a financial reversal. You're in an estranged relationship. Have you any rivers that you think are uncrossable? Do you have any mountains that you cannot tunnel through? God specializes in things that seem to be impossible, and he will do what no other doctor can do. Have you ever been on your bed of affliction and the doctors have done all that they can do? God specializes in healing all manner of diseases and he will do what no other power can do. Ah, keep on knocking. And I don't care how long it takes. He steps in right on time. Romans 5 and 6 says, when we were powerless, at the right time, the word is not chronos. The word is Chiron. It's his time that God in the person of the son died for us according to his time. We say in our tradition, uh, he may not come when you want him. Is that what we say? But he's always on time. Not only is he on time, he comes before there is time because Calvary itself is not plan B Calvary is plan A God doesn't need plan B and here is John mm, seeing behind the altar in Revelation 13 and 8 the Bible says John looked behind the altar and he saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slain from the foundation of the world before man fell the lamb had been slain in the mind of God according to the predetermined counsel of God Calvary was not a surprise God had already planned it in eternity, executed it in history, and brought it to pass in our own time. He kept on knocking. And finally, Peter is let in. There's commotion there. I run across the field. And Peter did this silence. Stop. I got a testimony to give. The Lord has sent his angel and set me free. The preacher needs to recapture his story. We do a lot of personal address. You, 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 you. We've got to recapture. We're not preaching ourselves because Paul could never get tired of talking about the Damascus Road experience. We need to say, I, me, this is what the Lord has done in my life. People want to know more than about Daniel in the lions den incidentally Daniel was never in the lions den the lions lions were in Daniel's den but people want to know have you been in the lions den do you know what it's like for God to send an angel to lock the lions mouth and you use the lions den as a sleeping place and use the lion's body as a pillow they want to know have you been through this has God delivered you Because you become the wounded healer, in the words of Henry Nouwen, people will let you deal with their wounds if they know you've been wounded and they know that you have been there. It really is incarnational. And then he says, before he leaves, go and tell James and the others what the Lord has done. James? James was beheaded in verse one and two. James, but there's another James, not James the brother of John, but James the brother of our Lord because there's always another James, there's always another Robert, don't you know God has my replacement? And I will tell you something, God has your replacement, so don't feel like you're indispensable You are expendable. I tell people, and boy, you can see it, particular professional big shot people in the upper echelon of society and the church. You ain't necessary. I say it like mama said, you ain't necessary. They don't like that because they think they're necessary, but they're not. Mess around and die. Someone will have your position before your body gets cold. Mess around and die. Somebody's gonna live in the house you just paid off. Mess around and die. Somebody's going to drive the car that you just got. Mess around and die. Somebody's going to have the arms around someone that you've loved for 35 years. You ain't necessary, but God is. And so therefore, we ought to thank God for the privilege yes, of sir. serving him. Tell James and the others what the Lord has done. Well, I'm going to run across the field because what happens in the very end is that King Herod Agrippa first. Has come from Jerusalem down to Caesarea by the sea and he's going to have an opportunity to speak to the Cyrenians and uh, uh, and uh, the Tyrians from Tyre and Sidon because there's some conflict there and when he stands up in his uh, regal robe he speaks they say this is not the voice of a man this is the voice of God and he does not give God glory and the Bible says that Mm. the angel struck him with worms and he died. Now there's a lot of talk about this. Did he die suddenly? What kind of disease it was? Say what you want to say about that. Read all the commentaries you want to read, but he died. (laughs) He He didn't give God glory. One angel mm, delivers Peter. It was probably that same angel that destroyed Herod I. Deliverance and destruction and even though this chapter opens up with a minor note the death of James and the arrest of Peter with the intention of having Peter executed after the Passover was over it ends up on a minor chord a major chord but the church verse 24 continued to increase and grow thanks be to God that as the old musicologists, We know how to live between the minor and the major chord because God himself is the maestro. I remember a year ago, I celebrated. It was in January of 2019. Our oldest son, Robert Smith III, who had suffered with cancer in 2010. The cancer came back. He had been undergoing several treatments, having various cells in his body harvested for a year. Then he had to go through the scans on this particular day in January. And um, uh, when he had these tests, he was hoping to be admitted into the hospital that same day and have the surgery the next day, which would have been Saturday. But to his surprise and to his frustration, he was told by the doctors, we're waiting on the results, but we can tell you that you can go back home because we don't have a bed in the hospital for you. There was no room for him in the end. But Bobby got in his car with his wife and they headed home, frustrated because he wanted to get it all over with. His doctor called him before he got home and said to Mr. Smith, I've got some good news for you and I also have some bad news for you. Well, give me the good news, he said. He said, "Uh, we've looked at your tests. We've examined you radiologically speaking. And we can't find any cancer in your body. We don't understand it. We're gonna to have to have a meeting with your radiologist because this defies medical science. Bobby said, well, I can tell you, I know what happened. My great physician has done something that uh, you can't understand. And uh, he said, well, then give me the bad news. Said, the bad news is We still can't find a room for you. Well, Bobby was excited about this. And Bobby began to dial my number. He said, Daddy, Sheree and I, his wife, want to come over and tell you something. We didn't know what he had to say. We we feared the worst. He said, "Uh, stay there until we have arrived. Oh, yeah. When Bobby and Seree arrived at our house, he said, Daddy and Mama sit down. Oh, yeah. He said, God has stopped by and visited my body. And we don't have anything to mourn about. For God has not played the minor chord, but now he's playing the major chord. No longer doom, gloom, and despair, but happiness, harmony, and hope. Oh, yeah, we stood up. And rejoice and we stood up and worship yeah we stood up and gave God praise for what God had done well that's a good story and I'm glad to report that to you but uh, 2,000 years ago there was a minor chord rendition yes Lord Jesus died and he died until the earth reeled and rocked like a drunken man oh yeah he died until two suns couldn't shine at the same time and twelve noon looked like twelve midnight he died until the shepherd was smitten and the sheep started scattering and they put him in a tomb and it was all over for the disciples seven of them went fishing on the next day and two on resurrection Sunday had their heads down going from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Yes, Lord, but Sunday morning, Sunday morning, Sunday morning, he got up from the dead with all power in his hand. Oh, yeah. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he's living whatever men may say. I see his hands of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer and every time I need him he's always near he lives he lives Christ Jesus lives today he walks with me he talks with me along life's narrow way he lives he lives salvation to impart you ask me how I know he lives he lives within my heart Keep on participating in theomusicology. Live between your minor and your major chord and know that God is able to sustain you so that you can worship even in the midst of a storm and he'll give you peace in the midst of the storm. And one of these days, when it's all over, in the eschaton, Dr. Aiken and I were talking about that. In the eschaton, one of these days, there will be no minor chord no gloom no sadness no tears no death no sorrow no nights and we shall worship our Savior all